Don't let a DUI charge ruin your life. Get a professional and confidential evaluation from our experienced team at True Heights Treatment. Our evaluations are accepted by the majority of courts in the state of Illinois and provide a comprehensive assessment of your substance use patterns and potential treatment needs. Get the help you need today and start your path to a brighter future. Contact us now to schedule your evaluation at 708-248-7039 or at thtdui.com. The George Brassy Podcast is made possible with funding provided from Brassy Global Strategies, LLC, a leading political consulting, public policy, government affairs, and research firm. Are you interested in running for elected office? Need advice? Call or email George, 708-769-5015. Brassy Global Strategies 1 at gmail.com. Matt Dubiel to the podcast. Matt is the founder of Podstars and the president of Sportsbook Radio, Chicago AM, 1530 WCKG, as well as the owner of Q101 Chicago's Alternative. Matt, welcome to my podcast. Hey, George. Thanks for inviting me. That's great to have you. Matt, I'm, before we get into uh, Q101, which is what I initially contacted you to to talk about. Tell the audience a little bit about your journey in Chicago radio. I started as an intern for uh, the great Steve Dahl. And uh, so this was about uh, 1994, 1995. I was about 17 years old. And um, I, uh, I, I sent letters out to pretty much any place and every place, but I focused predominantly on the shows and the talent that were in the building at, at the Hancock at 875 North Michigan, because that's where these radio stars were that got me excited about radio. And I'm talking about Steve Dahl and Jonathan Brandmeier and Kevin Matthews and a new guy had just come to town. Uh, named Man Cow that uh, people my age at the time were were really a flutter about and kind of took the uh, you know the rock and and radio world by storm and so I sent letters out to all those shows and I started out as an intern for Steve Dahl and it was right after Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer had broken up which was a pretty big deal I mean in Chicago radio for people that knew and lived here that was like. Um, you know, uh, Abbott and Costello breaking up or uh, Lucy and Desi breaking up. And so Steve Dahl went to go work at AM 1000. At the time, the call letters were WMVP, and it was Chicago's first, uh, well, maybe second sports station. And sports was still fairly new as far as broadcasting and radio goes. And Steve Dahl was doing mornings with Bruce Wolf, and I was an intern. And so I would go in there and get the carts ready for Steve Dahl and uh, get the cooler with the Diet Cokes ready. And uh, then I would keep show notes and keep a show log of the things that were being talked about uh, during the Steve Dahl show. And um, that, was the, that was the beginning of my radio odyssey. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And, and Steve, uh, was, um, it was a different slower paced show. It was an AM, uh, you know, morning show. And it was a different time because here he is not only having had broken up with Gary Meyer, 
uh, and kind of sending ripples through the radio world. But Gary got to stay on the FM by himself. Steve went over to the AM and it kind of felt like um, we were on an island and all the exciting fun stuff was happening at the loop and rock 1035. And so after a few months of being there, I, uh, I moved over and I started interning with Wendy and Bill, which was the night show on the loop. And that was Wendy Snyder and Bill Leff. And um, I just had a blast with them and it was a much better um, sort of fit for, you know, a young person that wanted to really, that was hungry and wanted to get more involved and wanted to do more. And, and they were willing to let you do it. And before long, they moved and left the loop and took the morning show job at Q101. Um, I think that was like 1996, 97-ish. And so they moved their show to mornings on Q101. And uh, they brought everybody that was with them over. And so my first paycheck was actually from uh, Q101. Uh, then it was owned by MS Communications. And that was my first paycheck in radio. So Matt, was your doing all that uh, free labor as an intern, was your end goal to be an on-air personality or to be in the business end of radio at that point? My, you know, I might, my, my I always thought that I would end up in the business end of things, but I thought it would be when I was older and had gone through, you know, sort of the different levels and stops along the way. So at that age, my plan and my hope was to be, I didn't want to be somebody else, but I wanted to be, I wanted to do what Johnny B did. And, um, and, and there was only one other, uh, so I mentioned Rock 103.5, and the afternoon guy at Rock 103.5 was a guy named Lou Brutus, and he's still on the air today. In fact, he does a syndicated show called Hard Drive. But when he, when Lou did afternoons at Rock 103.5, it was uh, a real hybrid of almost like he wrote his wrote material. It it definitely wasn't off the cuff. I mean, he made it feel like it was off the cuff, but this guy was delivering a really um, nice balanced version of a music entertainment show that wasn't talk heavy. And so I thought, okay, um, you know, that was the way to go. I thought there would be more of that in the future. And I thought I want to be like that, but one day I want to get to, you know, back to doing a morning show like, like Brandmeier does. And, and frankly, I didn't think I could do it. Like, I just thought, man, this guy just does stuff that, you know, you got to be almost like Michael Jordan. You have to be born with some of it. You have to be working at it for a long time. And I don't know if I'll ever get to that level. Um, but it was definitely to be on the air at that level. Uh, that changed pretty rapidly over the course of the next few years. But uh, it was it was definitely all about being on the air for me at that age. And currently you are an owner of a radio station. Tell the audience a little bit about um the radio station you own that's not Q101. Sure. So uh, in 2013, um, we bought uh, AM1530, which back, you know, flashing back to when I was six, uh, 17, 18, and I was interning for Steve Dahl, I had heard about this AM1530 because it wasn't far from my where I grew up in Downers Grove. AM1530 was WJJG in Elmhurst. And it's owned at the time. It was owned by this uh, older guy, uh, an old Italian guy named Joe Gentile, who had a rep reputation for 
um, being a sort of a hard ass sometimes and maybe uh, curmudgeon -y at other times, but also having a tremendous heart of gold and being um, philanthropic and, and generous. So you didn't know kind of what to believe, but I remember thinking and hearing about this station because when I was uh, interning for Dahl, um, the word on, you know, I'd heard that you could buy time and you could rent, essentially rent an hour or a half hour or whatever on this AM 1530 and you could be on the air. And I always thought, geez, you know, that's probably what I got to do because I didn't really want to work or, you know, move to uh, Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, it seemed like a great way to do it from home and still have your cake and eat it too. But I never quite did it because the thought of selling commercials and spending hours and hours and hours to sell commercials to get the money to pay for your airtime sounded like uh, just a distraction to me and I never did it. So fast forward to like 2013, I'm working for an infomercial guy at the time and uh, he had hired me to uh, launch a radio network for himself. And I, you know, we, we did it from the ground up. We built him studios, we, you know, designed the show, we produced it, we did the whole thing. And um, we were negotiating with various radio stations to buy time to put this show on the radio in Chicago. And we got close to a couple of deals. In fact, we got really close to a deal with The Loop and Q101 at the time. And uh, But they fell through. And they were for big money. This guy was willing to pay big money to be on the radio. And since those deals fell through, I had to get this guy on the radio in our home market. And so I bought time for him on AM 1530 W, at the time it was WJJG. And this was about 2008, 2009. And over the years, uh, I got to, to know and spend time with the owners, uh, Joe Gentile and Carol Gentile. And uh, I started helping them fix the radio station up because it was, um, you know, it had just been neglected a little bit. They were focusing on some other things and um, it needed some updating and it needing, needed some polishing and some shoring up. And so I just, I volunteered to do it and I really started to have a good time with it. And when it came time to sell the station in around 2012, 2013 or so, Carol came to me and said, you know, I'm thinking about selling the station. Uh, Joe had, had fallen ill and then and then had passed away and he lived a full life. He was in his eighties. Uh, and she said, you know, uh, I'm thinking about selling it. And, and she said, would you be interested? And, um, I had just gone through this experience with having bought Q101, the name, the brand, the intellectual property, because I thought in 2011 that the future would be all digital and signals and FCC licenses and all those sort of things were going to be, uh, relics. And I had learned the hard way from my Q101 experience from 2011 to 2013 that radio was still very relevant. And I thought this was a great opportunity. And I thought I could get a decent price and I could build my dream of uh, owning and operating in my hometown. And so uh, we bought an AM radio station in 2013. Wow. What a story. Matt, let's get into the story of Q101 um prior to your purchasing it tell uh you said ms communications owned it were they a chicago-based communications company or were they a, a national carrier uh ms was was uh some not a big national player but they were definitely not from chicago they were based in indianapolis and uh for years q101 uh chicago's alternative was their only station in chicago 
um, somewhere in the 2000s, they purchased the loop and then um, and and the company itself, MS Communications, which was based in Indianapolis, was was kind of fraught with some controversy for a while where their CEO, Jeff Smolian, was. Uh, trying to take the public, uh, the company public, and then there was a period where he was trying to not, you know, to to not take it public or or to you know take it private again. And so they, there was things going on. And I and and I think what happened in Chicago is when they got the loop, they bit off more than they could chew. When Q101 was a standalone and MS owned it, it did really well, and it um, it built well. It had its its you know, I mean, it's not easy to be a standalone in a major market, and they did it very well, but. Leading up to the 2000s, it was just Q101 that they owned in Chicago. Then they got the loop. Then they things seemed to kind of get off kilter a little bit. And then by the time 2008, 2009 rolled around, um, nobody knew this, but they were actively trying to sell one or both of the stations. And um, I discovered that because when I mentioned that I was I was buying trying to buy airtime for that infomercial guy, I had meetings with the uh, general managers and the and the executives at MS in Chicago, and they were offering to sell us prime airtime on the loop. And you just don't do that on a music station for a talk show. You don't allow somebody just to come in and buy airtime to to talk about random things like politics or you know controversies. So. I kind of knew something was up and, and lo and behold, they were trying to, um, as part of their battles to go pot private and then go public and, and, you know, unload their balance sheet. They were trying to sell, uh, the loop and or Q101 as early as 2008. And, and, um, when does one finally go off air? Is it 2011? Yeah, it was a, it was June of 2011. It had been announced that um, the Loop and Q101 were purchased by um, uh, Randy Michaels and his startup that was funded by. Well, a lot of people don't know this. The money that Randy Michaels got to buy the Loop and Q101 came from a venture capital firm that was uh, backed by by then uh, billionaire Bruce Rauner, but Bruce was about to become the governor of Illinois. And so right before he ran for governor of Illinois, him and his financiers gathered their, some, some money together. And this firm gave a bunch of that money, billions, I think, to Randy Michaels, who is a fake name for a guy named Benjamin Hommel. And he's a longtime radio guy. Um, and he was one of the pioneers of what ended up becoming Clear Channel and, and eventually iHeartRadio. But he's also sort, sort of beset by controversy. But um, when he bought these stations in Chicago, it was announced immediately almost that Q101 was going to become an FM news station. And that I just thought it was just, you know, there was no discussion or conversation about what was happening with the brand and the legacy and the audience and the 20, you know, some years of Jamboree and Twisted and Block Party and all these events and all of this um, legacy that had occurred in Chicago. And I called the corporate office of Emmis immediately and asked if what they had planned for the intellectual property and the digital assets and the um, all the IP for Q101. And they didn't know, they didn't really know what I was talking about. 
and and they were confused and i said no you you know they said well we're selling that to you know to merlin media this company that randy michaels started with uh bruce router's money and i said well um it, but what are you going to do with the you know all the stuff and they said oh let us get back to you then I called him again and they said, well, call us when it gets closer to the deal because we don't really know what he's taking and what he isn't. So then I called again. I'm pretty tenacious. I called again and I said I had to like lay it out for them again. And I said, you know, I want the website. I want the Facebook page. I want I want to own the story. I want to own everything about it. I want any recordings. I want whatever it is that's Q101 that you guys are essentially putting in the dumpster. And they said, well, how much do you want to pay? And I thought they were going to ask for millions. And that's where the whole story would end. And um, I said, well, you know, how much do you want for it? Because you're already getting, you know, millions for the stations. And clearly, you guys didn't think this stuff was worth anything. And they said, uh, how about 50 grand? And I was at the time I had a partner and we were in my office and I had to cover up the phone because I was laughing and I giggling because I was so tickled that it wasn't millions of dollars. And I countered and I said, I could do 40. Um, and they, okay. And so for $40,000, we bought Q101 and the brand and the, and the story in 2011. Wow. That backstory, I've never heard you describe uh, former Governor Rauner's role in it, let alone how low of a price you got for such a great, a great brand. That's amazing. Yeah, I thought so at the time, you know, what was really frustrating to me was that, um, you know, when you, when you watched it unfold and I think you, you live in Illinois, right? Yeah, sure. Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, it was curious to me what they were really trying to accomplish. I knew in my heart and with my experience that the way they were doing this news thing, I mean, it was just stupid to throw out that brand and that legacy with, it wasn't a failing radio station when he bought it. He bought it because Emmis was in trouble. So it was a, it was a struggling company, but the stations were robust and were doing fine and they could have been managed better, but they weren't worth killing. And the reason why they killed it was because Rauner and his funding GTCR and Benjamin Hommel all had an agenda. And their agenda was to get FM news on the radio. And I can't prove this, and it's just a theory, and it's only my opinion. But it seemed to me that it was awfully curious, the timing, because Rauner spent uh, millions, if not maybe hundreds of millions, on his gubernatorial run and he, you know, you spend it mostly on TV and, and radio. And so I thought maybe this is a way for them to spend money with themselves for the gubernatorial election in this market. And maybe after that, he has plans on wanting to parlay that into something else, like maybe a bigger office. And he thought that if he could control these news stations in Chicago and they got another one in New York, and if he could pay himself with his own money, that, you know, somehow the that would be a smart move, and it failed on all fronts. Although he obviously did become governor, uh, but uh, the station failed miserably, and it was a complete disaster. And and then that station eventually becomes a new alternative station on the same dial and frequency that Q one hundred one, the intellectual property you own, used to air on. 
Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, so you, a, a second ago you said, Hey, you know, I didn't know the backstory and how you got it for such a steal and all that. Um, there, it became sort of like a cursed exchange um, because the first event of the exchange was uh, the promises that were made of what we would get for the money we were paying were not met. And so we had to settle almost immediately with MS because they decided that um, they didn't have the archives and tapes and they weren't willing to give us certain things that they had promised us. And we had wired them a, a down payment of $20,000, which, you know, it's not like we're, uh, we're not rounder. So um, that $20,000 was uh, significant for us at the time. Um, and, you know, we had to work to come up with the second $20,000, but we got word from MS and they said, well, we don't want to give you all this other stuff. And, you know, we can't make good on it. We overpromised. So we'll give you what you already got and you don't have to give us any more money. So we ended up getting it for 20 grand. Uh, but then before you know it, that, that, uh, that, Randy Michaels Merlin project fails and now they realize they need to get money in the door. And before you know it, they put an alternative station on 87.7. They pretend that it's Q101 and they call it Q877. They use the story. They use the, the lore and the, and the folklore and the, and the history of our brand that we paid for to launch that station. And now uh, I'm in uh, court with lawyers and intellectual property disputes and all this sort of stuff. And uh, we're wasting money now, even more money fighting, you know, essentially Bruce Rauner indirectly and their gazillions of dollars. And we're getting knocked around by like a pinball. And before you know it, they, they you know, bring it back to life on this 87.7. And since it's doing so well over there and FM News is so bad, they, you know, long and short of it, they end up putting alternative back on 101.1. And rather than doing the professional and ethical and and smart thing, which is saying, hey, what you know, how can we do a deal with you to uh, put this thing, you know, put Humpty Dumpty back together again? We'll pay you a little bit uh, for your your thought and effort and everything else, but we want to put this thing back together again. They just said, screw these guys. We're going to get the call letters. We're going to use the call letters that we used to have, and we're going to make it seem like we're Q101 without saying Q101 and make this guy's uh, life miserable and, and cash in the checks for, you know, the legacy and the brand and, and everything else. And then they sold the station to Cumulus because they realized they were very bad operators and Cumulus bought it. And then Cumulus hired the old GM from Q101 in the loop. And they hired the old afternoon guy from Q101 and they had all the staff from Q101. And to this day, people are very confused. And unfortunately, the people in that building and the people that are part of that deception point the finger over at us and make it seem like we did something wrong or we somehow are trying to trick people or whatever when our intentions were always to have fun and, and do something interesting and keep the brand alive. And these big companies have just um, manipulated the media buyers and advertisers and listeners to a point where there's enormous confusion and it's just kind of a, obviously it's a sore spot because it didn't have to be that way. Well, Matt, you know, there's some big changes that have occurred at their lineup as of recently. Do you have any thoughts about that? Um, I mean, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, when, when, when somebody as big as Greg Brown and, you know, interesting. So the changes you're talking about, I think, are the fact that Greg Brown, who used to work at Q101 before it was alternative, uh, Greg Brown, I think, did middays on Q101, uh, you know, in the 80s. But um, Greg Brown retired from WLS. Cumulus owns WLS. And rather than hire somebody new and, and you know, really show that radio is relevant and the future is bright with smart speakers and audio and everything else, they went, all right, we're going to take somebody from another day part, put them in middays on WLS, and then we're going to take the guy from Q101 uh, and put him on WLS. And then we're going to take night, you know, move the lineup up on Q101 and then put a syndicated guy from LA who's really from Canada on 101 WKQX at night. And um, those moves are not the moves of a company that believes that the, the properties are worth investing in. Those moves are the moves of a company that believes that the future is short and they have to cut costs because they're publicly owned and the future is going to be digital. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point down the road, 101 WKQX and 94.7 and 890 are sold or one or, you know, just one of them is sold to, to get some more money into the company. Matt, um, what role do you think Mancow had in the rise of the station and the fall, if any? Well, um, you know, we had Mancow on AM 1530 for a stretch. Um, he was syndicated by Talk Radio Network, and um, I spent a little bit of time with him. And um, he's um, – when he came to Q101, I wasn't there, but uh, I was leaving because Wendy and Bill, the show that I was interning for, uh, was cut short. And they signed with Mancow and they brought Mancow in. And um, that was a really crucial and pivotal time for a few different organizations. One of them was Q101 uh, because they felt like they needed to do that in order to make their next moves. And they thought that it was the, the way to go. Um, they jettisoned Wendy and Bill. And what's interesting is, is at that point in time, Wendy and Bill were pretty close to neck and neck with Eric and Kathy. So Wendy and Bill were on Q101 and Eric and Kathy were on 101.9. 101.9 always had this sort of uh, single white female stalker vibe with Q101. They would hire old Q101 jocks. Like they hired Brooke Hunter after she left Q101 and they put her on nights on, on 101.9. They always had a thing for Q101, but they would not play the same kind of music. They were playing more of uh, adult pop music at uh, 101.9. So 101.9, the mix was for soccer moms. Q101 was a little bit more 20-something. And when they brought in Man Cow, they killed the Wendy and Bill show. And the difference between the Wendy and Bill show and the Eric and Kathy show was Wendy and Bill were authentic and funny and real and relatable. And Eric and Kathy were manufactured and formulaic. And they had bus billboards that were very expensive. And they had the million dollar birthday game. If you took away the bus boards and the million dollar birthday game, Eric and would get trounced by Wendy and Bill. And if you never put Mancow on Q101, Wendy and Bill would have been as big or bigger than Eric and Kathy, and Q101 
would be a very different radio station today. Instead, that didn't happen. And Wendy and Bill never quite found their deserved place in the radio landscape ever again. Eric and Kathy, in the absence of Jonathan Brandmeier and various others, grew. And with their marketing, they grew because there was really nothing else out there. So rather than just women listening to Eric and Kathy, you had men and women because these guys had to either listen to man cow or nothing. And if you weren't into that, you had no choice. So you went over to Eric and Kathy. So Eric and Kathy swelled up like a, like a fattened cow. And Q101 then had to go into the sort of the dark side with not because of Man Cow, not like he's the dark side per se, but with Man Cow came Limp Biscuit and Metallica and a different angle altogether. And it really made Q101 bipolar. And when you think about the identity of Q101 from, from a lot of people's perspective in the periods where people think of Q101 very differently, and that period. Um, was not maybe the best. Now, was it great for Man Count? Yeah. Was it great for Q101 and Emmis for a little while? Yeah. Was it a short-term uh, fix and not a long-term solution? I believe so. And I think the big mistake there was uh, they should have stuck with Wendy and Bill. Um, if they wanted, if they knew they were going to buy the loop, they could have bought the loop and put Man Count on the loop then. And they could have had the best of both worlds, but they tried to, uh, you can't be halfway pregnant. And you put a guy like a cow on, on a, on a station that is female and male 50-50, you're going to lose a lot of the females, you're going to lose a lot of those males, and you're going to become a very different animal. And look at where the world is now. There's just, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but building a radio station that is angstful and based on subterfuge and, and um, innuendo and fake innuendo with acts like Limp Bizkit and Harder Music and Rap Rock and all that sort of stuff versus the Wendy and Bill approach and keeping Q11 50-50, I think it's pretty apparent to people that um, you know are in the business that the solution would have been better to stay the course with Wendy and Bill, keep the music 50-50, and it would be uh, revered much differently uh, in the landscape today, and some schmo like me wouldn't own the brand and uh, and be running it digitally. Well, man, I, I have to be honest with you the uh, the era the era of Q and one that you're describing was like the era where I fell in love with it. The man cow, the limp biscuit, the new metal uh, soundtrack. I was in like eighth grade when that all started, and I remember Q and one being like the coolest thing, but. I'm yeah, and I didn't dislike it, and I, you know, it's I don't mean any um, disrespect or like um, not that what you liked is bad, but but think of this: so you were in eighth grade at that point, and now you're interested in Q101. Now, all of the the majority of the audience of Q101, uh, and the money is not in the eighth graders. The money is in the people that are buying cars and getting home loans and and spending money. And so really they needed to be targeting and continue to stay focused on that, that demo that was in the twenties and aging out to the thirties, because right now they'd be dominating them still. And they'd have this legacy relationship with them. And you know what? I like that era also. It just didn't belong on Q101. It probably belonged someplace on a version of rock 1035 or maybe a version of the loop or, 
uh, maybe on 94.7 The Zone or some different outlet. But shifting Q101 from trying to tell people that Metallica is alternative because you're a little harder now because you're playing Limp Bizkit is just it's it's inauthentic and it's not as aligned and it just led to a bunch more problems so it's not to poo poo your tastes uh or mine because i didn't mind it but when you start to talk to the other people and you realize they cycled out an audience that was had been built up since 1992 then you see where it was and and what and look at you know the proof is in the pudding it really damaged their perception and with media buyers it became tough because now you're the you know the black t-shirt station that brings guys that are you know a little bit younger and have less buying power and the the, the reality unfortunately is radio in general doesn't want to reach white guys anymore at all they're they're not really interested in that at all so interesting Matt, and I, I know you've been more than generous with your time, so I only have uh, two more questions. Right now, if somebody wanted to listen to Q101, they would just go online, q101.com, and music is playing there 24-7, right? Yeah. Um, Q101, um, you know, it, it had an app when we bought it. When we, when we took over, it had 25,000 Facebook fans. Today, Q101 has the most Facebook followers and fans of any radio station, and it doesn't have an FM signal. And um, you know what? Facebook doesn't have an FM signal either, and neither does uh, Spotify, and neither does um, you know Twitter and and all these other internet sensations, Snapchat, you name it. Those things don't have radio signals either, um, and and neither do we. So you can listen to Q101 on the Odyssey app, which used to be the Radio.com app. You can listen to Q101 on the iHeartRadio app. You can get the Q101 app for Android and iOS. It's all at Q101.com, and if it doesn't say Q101.com or Q101, it's not Q101. Matt, what are two books you would recommend to the audience that have been important to you as a person? So a lot of people talk about the book Think and Grow Rich in the business circles, and um, I think that if you have that book, you should get a coffee can and a little bit of lighter fluid and a match and light it up and watch it burn and instead read the real book that it was derived from, which is called The Laws of Success and 16 Lessons. It's a monster book. I mean, this thing is like, so the copy I have is two, two, two books, you know, part one and part two, and it's thicker than a phone book, but it's The Laws of Success and 16 Lessons by Napoleon Hill. Um, it's a really great book. And, and to me, it's the real recipe that people, so, so the think and grow rich is like a shortened abridged version. And I think if you make that, if, if you read that you're, you're missing a bunch of stuff and it's going to sort of derail you a little bit. But if you read the real version all the way through and, uh, you implement some of that stuff, anybody, men, women, boys, girls, young, old, um, it's, uh, wildly impactful on your life. Um, the other book that, uh, is a favorite of ours in my family since I was a kid, um, is called my side of the mountain. I don't remember who wrote it, but, uh, it's a, it's a fiction book and, um, everybody in my family, it's kind of like, uh, where the red fern grows kind of of that ilk, which I would maybe say is a close second to that one, but my side of the mountain and, uh, laws of success and 16 lessons. Matt, where can the audience find you on the internet? I am, uh, I'm at mattdubiel.com. 
And uh, if you're not sure how to spell Matt Dubiel, you could just go to Matt on Air with two T's, mattonair.com, and uh, it all goes to the same spot. Well, Matt, this has been a great podcast. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to do it. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Help George stay on the Chicago Heights City Council. Go and donate today at tinyurl.com slash aldermangeorge2023. Begin to transform your life and work towards inner peace with expert psychotherapy. At True Heights Treatment, our experienced therapists provide personalized, compassionate care to help you overcome life's challenges and reach your goals. Whether you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, or other mental health concerns, our team is here to support you. With a warm and welcoming in-person and virtual office atmosphere and a commitment to person-centered and evidence-based treatments, we are dedicated to helping you address your life's challenges. Contact us now to schedule your first session at 708-248-7039 or online at trueheightstx.com. Book your appointment today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier life. Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast. <laughs>